You're listening to Weekly Devotions with Pastor James, a podcast devoted to helping you with your walk with Jesus. We do this by looking at the scriptures through devotions and messages every week. For more information, you can find us at gardeningthewell.com and would love for you to connect with us over there. Uh, You can visit our blog, you can visit our bookstore, and you can connect with us and shoot us some feedback. Send us questions, maybe something you'd like to hear an episode on. And with that said, uh, let's jump into it today. Be seated. Uh, if you have your Bibles, open up to Second um, Timothy chapter three. We're going to be in verses ten to fifteen this morning. Second uh, Timothy chapter three, verses ten to fifteen. Uh, as you're opening up and getting there, uh, I'm going to read these verses uh, for Second Timothy chapter three, verses ten through fifteen. Paul says this to Timothy. He says, "You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance." Persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for today. Lord, I pray that you'd meet us this morning. Not because we deserve to meet with you, but because we hope and pray that you would be glorified in and through meeting with us. I pray that you would shape us and transform us. We pray that you would encourage us. We pray that you would guide us. We pray that you would direct us. We pray that you would use us. We pray that you would work today according to your good pleasure. And that you would use me as your tool in your hands. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. It's a nice morning. I'm not too bad. Welcome to March. Spring is just around the corner. Oh, I forgot an announcement. It just popped into my head. So uh, daylight savings time is next weekend, okay? Uh, So uh, it should be March 12th. So that's what happens when you're Polish and you're old. You forget things and things pop in your head and you got to get them out. So uh, uh, daylight savings time is next week. So don't forget to set your clocks uh, and uh, hopefully your phone does what it's supposed to do automatically. But so it is March. Today is Sunday, March 5th, 2023. And because of that, I want to ask you something. I'm going to ask you a couple questions, all right? How is your year going for you so far? Now, you don't have to answer these out loud, okay? But at least answer them in your mind, okay? So how is your year going so far? We are two months into it. We just started the third month of the year. So how are things going for you? How's life, all right? Let me ask you this one. How's work going? You know, for those of you that are not retired, how's work going? Do you feel like you get run over by a bus daily or just every once in a while? All right. Some of us, it's a daily experience, right? I was talking to a friend of mine this week and their spouse is battling cancer. And because uh, they're battling cancer, they ha- uh, their spouse has some other health issues that have arisen through uh, their treatment, their battle with cancer. And so they have a lot of issues like that taking place. And then they are of a retirement age. 
And so they look at their um, retirement thing every month and go, oh, it's still in the red. Oh, it's still in the red, right? Losing money and it's like, okay, what's going on with all of that? So let me ask you this. How's your home life? How's your home life? How's your marriage? How's your walk with Jesus? How's your prayer life going? Is there a prayer life? Our prayer lives are a funny thing. I've, I've lived long enough, and I've talked to enough people to know that many times, not all the times, but many times, when things get crazy in our lives, prayer kind of shrinks. Prayer does not take place like it once did or as it should because we're so focused on the issues that are arising in our lives that we're focused on that instead of the God who loves us. Now, I asked you all those questions, and maybe you feel a little bit uneasy. Because a lot of times we don't answer questions like that unless they're brought up to us. And perhaps, maybe you're asking, well, why did he have to bring up that question? Did he actually have to ask about how my marriage is, or how work is, or how my home life is? And maybe you can say, and you are saying, well, right now things are pretty good. Maybe you can say that. That things on every front, while we all know life is never going to be perfect, but you can look at your prayer life and your walk with Jesus, and you can look at work, and you can look at just life, and you go, you know what? Things are pretty good right now, and I pray that you can say that. And if that is you, I'm rejoicing with you. I am clapping for you. Not like I'm clapping inside, right? I don't want to clap into the microphone, right? But I'm really, really happy for you. I really am. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say from the people that I have talked to from in our church and outside of our church for the last three months, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that there's a good chance that for some of you, maybe even perhaps many of you, there are things that you are struggling with right now in life on a lot of different levels. Because that is going around. So here's my question for you this morning. In the midst of, say, all of that madness that happens uh, in life at times, what are you to do in the midst of that madness? You see, Paul, he starts to charge or encourage Timothy to something in the midst of all of that madness going on in his life. See, Paul gives him some advice. He gives him a charge, if you will, to Timothy. And it's actually a very good one for you and for I as well. And what that is, is this. It's continue on. And what his encouragement is, is this. And continue on in the midst of madness. That in the midst of the madness that may be your life right now, Paul's command, his encouragement, is to continue on. And so with that said, I have two points for you. Continue to follow and continue to know. All right? And hopefully they'll make some sense to you by the time we're done this morning. So we have to start here. We have to continue to follow. We're going to be in verses 10 to 13 for this first one. But we actually have to start with the first part of verse 14. So you know where I'm coming from in this. Paul says this to Timothy. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned. And we're going to pause right there for, for right now. 
I'm not sure if you've ever read something and one word stood out to you like it was written in a different color. Have you ever had that happen to you? You read something and like, oh, that like just one word or two words just jumps off the pages and kind of like smacks you in the face. Well, that happened to me this week. Tuesday, Tuesday evening, I was downstairs and I was starting to work on the sermon while I was waiting for Bible study, uh, the Bible study group to get here. And I was reading through the passage and the only word that stood out to me often was the word continue. It was as though the word continue was written in a different color. It was highlighted. And I was just focused in on that word continue. And it got me to think. Because here's why. Why is Paul telling Timothy to continue? He says, continue on, Timothy. And I wrestled with that question. I don't know if this is Paul's charge to Timothy to, to continue because Timothy has stopped. I don't know if you've ever told somebody, well, you, you've just given up. You've just stopped. Well, you've got to kind of get back on the horse and continue on. I don't know if Timothy has stopped. I don't know if Timothy, quote unquote, has fallen off the horse and Paul is trying to get him back into the game and to continue on. I don't know if that's happened. I don't know if Paul is telling Timothy to continue here in the sense of encouragement. Like, Timothy, you're doing a good job. Timothy, you're doing a really good job in light of everything. Continue on. Keep pushing forward because you're doing a good job. So I don't know if Paul's going, Timothy, you have to get back on the horse, get back in the game, and keep going on, or if it's encouragement, going, you're doing really well. You just have to keep going forward. I don't know. I've been wrestling with that all week long. But it got me thinking. And it reminded me what was going on in Timothy's life. If you were to ask Timothy all the questions I asked you already just a few minutes ago, how's life? How's your work? How's your home life? How's your marriage? How's your walk with Jesus? How's your prayer life? I think Timothy might have the same answer with some of those questions that you have this morning. Where you and Timothy would go, you know what? It's a struggle. There's a difficulty in that. You see, for Timothy, work was hard, if you remember. He was overseeing a lot of churches. And I'm going to share a story with how that is difficult with those of you that stay for election of pastor. I'm going to share you a story of something that took place with me on this past Friday. All right? Of just overseeing other churches. I'm going to share something with you. There's a difficulty in it. There's a difficulty in pastoring a church. If you remember... Timothy is facing issues from inside of the church, from false teachers to false believers, to people looking at Timothy going, you're a young guy. I'm not paying any attention to you. You're too young to be in this role. There's persecutions from Nero. And Timothy is trying to figure out, how do you share the gospel in a culture that was against him? That people were so religious and hungry for spiritual things, but they didn't know they were thirsting for Jesus. Same thing it is for our culture. Taxes were high, inflation was high, political issues. Timothy is facing all of those things within the church in his work life. But then he had personal issues. Remember in 1 Timothy, we saw that Timothy had stomach issues? Not quite sure why. But he is facing personal issues. Maybe he was married. And he was married and raising kids, and that's not easy. Maybe, you know, as I told you last week, maybe Timothy used the wrong towel that was hanging on the stove. I don't know. Maybe his marriage was hard right now at this point. Maybe he wasn't married. 
And because he wasn't married, he was facing all these different pressures and desires that he had battling within him because he wasn't married. We've talked about all of these. And so Timothy, like many of you, could say, you know what? There's a madness in my life right now. Things are crazy. They're hard. They're difficult. I think I might just stay in bed today. Have you ever said that? Have you ever just laid in bed and when the alarm's going off, go, this is too much. I go, I'm already tired and it's only like 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to stay in bed. I've been there. People are like that. So in light of all this, Paul tells Timothy in verse 14 to continue. In light of the madness that Timothy is facing, Paul goes, Timothy, continue. Continue in what you've learned. And that is the underlying statement for us this morning. In the midst of everything, you need to continue in what you've learned. Continue. Keep going. Don't quit. Keep pushing through. See, so often when things get hard and things get difficult, we stop. We want to take a break. And we can't do that oftentimes. He goes, continue on in what you learn. So here's my question. How do you learn? Because Paul goes, continue in what you learn. We go, what does he learn? I'm going to show you that in a moment. But how do people learn? Most people learn in one of two ways. You learn visually. You learn by watching something. Do you not? Maybe you're watching that person, how they did something. You're watching a video, how they do that. I tried fixing some plumbing in the house over there. And the, re- and the way I learned how to do it was I watched a YouTube video, right? Of course, it's really easy. And I still don't have, it's still not fixed like, you know, six weeks later. Because it's always easier on YouTube, right? I don't know. I, so we learn by watching somebody else do something, right? You with me on that? So we learn by watching. But we also learn by learning. Whether it's you're reading a book and studying something and applying it to our lives, there's an intellectual learning that takes place when we're just learning from a book or something along those lines. Those two things are what Paul is calling Timothy and you and I to continue in. He goes, continue to follow. Paul's telling Timothy, Timothy, continue to follow me as I follow Jesus. Because notice what Paul says back in verse 10. Verses 10 to 13. He goes, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose. And you can continue with the word my there, but Paul doesn't. He goes, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, persecution, sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted while evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Paul goes, you, however, Timothy, know all about my life. What is Paul talking about there? What Paul is doing right there in verse 10 is he's actually comparing himself to the people we talked about last week. Janries and Jambres. The people that had a form of godliness, but denied the power of God. I think the term I used last week was a false believer. Somebody from from the outside, they looked like they loved Jesus and they knew Jesus. But when you got to know them and their heart and their teaching, it was just all wrong. Paul goes, Timothy, you know me. 
you know that I am not like those people that we see in verses 1 through 9. He goes, I'm not like them. He goes, you know me. He goes, I'm different from them. Well, here's my question. How does Timothy know Paul? Well, very simple. Timothy has followed Paul and been with Paul for years. Timothy followed him all over the place. So much so that Paul calls Timothy his son, spiritual son. And Timothy knows what Paul has been doing. He's been Paul's right-hand man for years. He knows Paul. He's learned from Paul. He's watched Paul as Paul's gone through life. Notice what Paul says to Timothy. He goes, Timothy, you know my teaching. What does that word mean? It means doctrine. He goes, Timothy, you know what I believe. You know what I stand for. You've heard me preach. You've heard me teach. You know everything that I believe. You know that. You know me. But it's not just my teaching that you know, Timothy. Because you know my life. You know how I've handled people. You know how I've handled sin. You know what I've gone through. You know these things. You know how I've applied the scriptures to my life. And I'm living them out. Because you know my doctrine and you know my way of life. But then he goes on to say, he goes, you know my purpose. He goes, Timothy, you know me so well. You know my aim, my goal, my purpose for my life. And that is to glorify God. What did we see last week? Self-love. That the main goal for the people we talked about last week was loving themselves and being lovers of money and lovers of pleasure. It was all about me, myself, and I. And Paul goes, Timothy, you know me. You know my purpose is to glorify Jesus in all ways, at all times, in everything. He goes, you know me. And he goes on and he says, my faith and my patience, my love and my endurance. He goes, Timothy, you know all of this about me. He goes, Timothy, you have followed me. You've learned from me. And then Paul throws out the persecutions that he faced. He goes, Timothy, you know the hardships that I've dealt with and that I've gone through. And he lists three of them. He says, Antioch. You know what happened to Paul in Antioch? He got kicked out. He literally got kicked out of the city. You know what happened to Paul in Iconium? He was almost put to death. They almost killed him. And then he mentions Lystra. Oh, by the way, Lystra is Timothy's hometown, if you forgot. You know what Paul happened to Paul there? The town people stoned Paul, left him for dead outside of the city. So you know what Paul did? He got up and he went back in the city to tell them about Jesus. Paul goes, Timothy, you know me because you followed me. You watched how I have handled all of these things in my life. He goes, Timothy, please don't forget that those who want to live a godly life are going to face persecution. You've seen that in my life. This may burst your bubble, and if it does, I'm happy that it burst your bubble. Life is not going to be easy because you love Jesus. There is so much false teaching in the church, especially in America today, that says if you have faith in Jesus and if you love Jesus, then God's will for you is for you to be wealthy and healthy and happy and life is going to be like warm apple pie and ice cream every single day of the week, all the time. Guess what? That's wrong. It's wrong. It's false teaching. 
It's kind of like saying the Phillies are going to win the Super Bowl. Notice I said Super Bowl, Joe, not the World Series. Because can the Phillies win the Super Bowl? No. Why? Different sports. It's not even the same game. Saying that God wants your life easy and happy and well every moment of the day because you love Jesus, it's not even in the same ballpark of Christianity. How do I know that? Jesus was crucified. The person we follow was put to death, and we stand back and go, well, because I followed the one who was put to death, my life is going to be fantastic. Read Acts chapter 12. James was beheaded. Why? Because he followed Jesus. Paul, the guy writing this, is put to death. Why? Because he loved and he followed Jesus. And we stand back and go, my life should be perfect because I love Jesus. Eh, wrong. Wrong. It's not going to be like that. Paul goes, if you're going to live a godly life, you're going to face hardships and persecution because of your faith and love of Jesus Christ. It's going to happen. Paul goes, people are going to go from bad to worse. And he goes, people are going to be de deceived and they're going to be deceiving people. And what Paul is telling Timothy is this, you know me. You have been following me as I have followed Jesus. And he says, keep doing it. Continue to follow me, Timothy. Don't be like those who left Jesus, that drifted away from Jesus, that fell away from Jesus because life got crazy and hard. Because there are a lot of people, there are people that I personally know, that when life got hard, they left Jesus. They fell away because life got hard. And Paul's going, Timothy, don't. Continue to follow me as I follow Jesus. You see, that is the type of person you need in your life. You and I need to be following people. And I mean by that is not following people before we follow Jesus. But as Paul tells us in Corinthians, he goes, follow me as I follow Jesus. We all need people, well, we could use the word mentor if you would. That we could look at them and go, you know what? I know them. I know their lives. I know their heart. And I could follow them as they go through a rough patch in their marriage. I can follow them and learn from them as they're trying to parent their children through this difficult way. I can follow them. I can learn from them as they try to navigate through work issues. That we can have somebody in our lives going, I know you and I can learn from you. Because in the craziness and in the madness of life, guess what happens? It gets hard to follow Jesus because we don't know how to do it all the time. And so we need to find somebody that we can learn, that we could follow, that we could be mentored by, if you would. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. Timothy, you learned from me. You learned how I handled persecution. You learned how I handled the hardships and the difficulties. Continue to follow me. So let me ask you, who are you learning from right now? Who are you learning from 
to walk through issues with your marriage? Who are you learning from to walk through issues with kids and grandkids? Who are you learning from to work through issues at work, issues in your home life? Who are you learning from on how to read the Bible, to study the Bible, to pray? Who are you learning from on how to handle funds, the money that God has given you? Who are you learning from in all those areas of your life? Because it's one of two types of person. It's going to be a Paul, and what I mean by that is a man or a woman who loves Jesus and wants to please Jesus in all ways, in all aspects of life. Not perfect, nobody is. But you know them. Or you're learning from janries and jamborees, and it's all about themselves, and they're trying to do things the way of the world. Because guess what? We need mentors. We need people in our lives that we can go to and go, you know what, I'm struggling with this. How do I get through this? I knew no one that loved Jesus and followed Jesus and had a son in a wheelchair. I still don't know anybody like that. You know how much easier it would have been to come up to somebody and go, hey, you love Jesus. You're in a similar boat. How do you do it? What did you learn through the process? See, you need a mentor. And we think mentors are only for 10-year-old boys and girls. No, we all need mentors because we all go through different stages of our life. And so we all need somebody to go, how did you get through that? How did you work through that in a godly way? And we need to be not only having a mentor, but we should have somebody that we can teach to. You know what? My marriage went through that. I went through that with my kids. I went through an issue at work like that. And this is how I managed through it in a godly way. Let me show you. Let me teach you so that you can learn from me. And so what Paul is telling Timothy in the midst of the craziness, because Timothy, keep following me. Learn from me. Because it'll help you get through the craziness. It'll help you get through the madness. But that's not all that Paul tells us to continue in. It's not just to continue to follow those godly people in your life so you can learn how to handle the madness of life. But Paul also says this, continue to know, verses 14 and 15. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you have learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul says, continue in what you know. I love what Paul says here. He says, Timothy, you need to continue in what you have learned and you've been convinced of. Well, what has Timothy learned and is convinced of? Well, in this context right here, it's the Holy Scriptures. It's the Bible. You see, what happened with those that we talked about last week? They denied God. They weren't convinced of God. They weren't convinced of his word. And so Paul says to Timothy, you've learned the scriptures. You know them. You're convinced of them. And because of that, in this madness that is life at times, continue in the scriptures. Continue in the word of God. 
So I have a question for you. So I have a lot of questions this morning. Are you convinced of Jesus? Are you convinced of him? Do you firmly believe and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is God? Are you fully convinced that Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross in our place, rose three days later, and then 40 days after that ascended back to the right hand of the Father and that Jesus is alive and well right now, interceding for us next to the Father? Are you convinced of that? Or do you waver in doubt? What about this? Are you convinced of the Bible? Are you convinced that the scriptures are God's word and are 100% right all the time without error? Now, you cannot answer that unless. The only way you could say you are convinced that the Bible is God's word and it's 100% true and accurate is this, if you've read all of it. You cannot be convinced of God's word if you haven't read God's word. But are you convinced that when God speaks to something like creation, evolution, marriage, gender, sin, repentance, Satan, hell, heaven, and everything else, that he is right all the time? You see, to be convinced of the scripture means that you believe beyond a shadow of doubt that God's word is right and true on all things. And if there is something that you don't agree with, then it's not God who is wrong. It is you that is wrong. And not him. If you're convinced, if you're not convinced, let's talk. I'll sit with you. I'll investigate things with you. I'll answer questions. Well, convinced Timothy was convinced of the scriptures, but why? How is Timothy convinced of the scriptures? Well, verse 14, Paul goes, You have become convinced because you know those whom you've learned it. The it there is the scriptures, and the whom there is plural. Not that you care, but it's important. The whom there speaks to three people, I think. Two of those people are Timothy's mom and his grandmother, Paul mentioned back in chapter 1, Lois and Eunice, who taught Timothy the scriptures from a young age. And because of that, the word was being planted with him, within him, taking root, taking hold, and as he grew, he was not able just to hear the word from the pages of the scripture, but see it lived out in his mom's life and his grandmother's life. I cannot tell you how important it is to teach the word of God to kids when they're young. Parents, grandparents, you have to understand this. It's not the church's responsibility to do this. It's yours. I was thinking about this this week. Selection of pastor today. And so the church, I don't know exactly what you're voting on, but in June, if I'm still here, I'll start my 17th year here at the church. The average tenure of a pastor in America is three to five years at a church, and then they leave, right? So I was thinking about this. In the 16 years that I've been here, I am somewhere around 400 450 different teenagers that have come through the doors of this church 
that I've got to tell about Jesus on a Thursday night. From all walks of life. Some of them are dead. Some of them are in jail. All walks of life. In that hour and a half, once a week, I cannot counter everything that the world throws at them. I can't do it. I can't. But it is the parent who lives with them, talks with them daily about issues of life and just about living. Now you have the opportunity to pour into your kids and your grandkids every single day the truth of God's word. We can't just go to the church's responsibility because the church doesn't have the time with your kids that need it. You do. And so it is very important that we teach them from a very young age about Jesus. And Paul goes, Timothy, that's what happened to you. Paul goes, you're convinced because of who taught you. Your mom and your grandmother taught you this from early on. He goes, and I took over and I started telling you about Jesus. He goes, you knew this. And this is what helped convince Timothy of the scriptures because who taught him? But guess what? It's not just who taught him and what helped convince Timothy. I think this helped him. Verse 15. He goes, and how from infancy have known the holy scriptures. Listen to this last statement. Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. I think that helped convince Timothy of the scriptures. That the scriptures are the power of God. That the scriptures are what God uses to change a person's life and points them to Jesus. It's the word of God that makes a person wise for salvation. It is God's word that shows somebody that they are a sinner. It is God's word that shows to us that God is holy and just. And because of that, he will not tolerate sin. And it is God's word that tells us that in order to be right with God, our sin must be taken care of and dealt with properly. It is God's word that tells us that the wages of sin is death, that we die because of sin. It is God's word that tells us that the shedding of blood is the only way for forgiveness. It is God's word that tells all of this to us. And it is God's word that points us to Jesus. That salvation is only found in Christ. But here's the thing. It's not God's word that saves us. Did you know that? God's word doesn't save you. It points you to the Savior, and that is Jesus. And that's why Paul says the scriptures make us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Salvation is found in Christ by having faith in him. So let me ask you something. I know it's another question. Have you come to faith in Jesus? Have you come to faith in Jesus? Have you given, quote unquote, the steering wheel of your life over to Jesus? Or is Jesus still in the back seat along for the ride? You see, faith in Jesus means surrendering everything over to him. It's just, no longer do I want you sitting in the back of the car. I give you full control. 
have you truly come to faith in Jesus Christ? Because it is he that saves. And it's the scriptures that point us to him. But as I sat and I prayed and I thought about that word salvation, I realized that the word salvation has always been used in a more general sense. To being saved from something, rescued from something. And what came to my mind is this, it's the word of God and the working of God through his word that makes us wise for salvation in all areas of life. It is God's word that saves us, rescues us from all that this world throws at us, that is added into the craziness. Look at all the things that are thrown into the world today that add to the madness that is our life. How about identity? You know that nobody knows who they are anymore? Nobody. What does God's word do? It rescues us from that. Saves us from that. Because it's in God's word we find out who we are in Christ. That our identity is in Christ. Read Ephesians chapter 1. You'll find out who you are awfully quick. It rescues us from a false sense of identity. What about marriage? Our world has lost the idea of what marriage truly is. What does God's word do? It tells us the truth about marriage. It rescues us from that. What about purpose? People are lost today because they have no purpose. They have no aim. What does God's word do? Rescues us from that and gives us a purpose. What about security and satisfaction and anger and worry? Jesus literally tells us, don't worry. God's word rescues us from all of those things because it tells us the truth. It points us back to the God who is in control. You see, the things that come up in our lives that try to trap us and pull us down and cause us to get lost in the madness of life and drift away from Jesus, God's word goes, hey, you're not who this world says you are. You do have a meaning. You do have a purpose. There is a reason that you are here. You want to know why evolution is so destructive? Because when you're told that you've just evolved from some little cell, it tells you that you're just here by chance and that there's no meaning for your life. There's no purpose for you to be here. There's no reason for you to be here at all. And we wonder why people drift through life nowadays going, who cares? There's no reason for me to be here. There is a reason for you to be here. Because you're lovingly created by a God who loves you and created you in his image and then came to save you as, because you ran away from him. There's a meaning and a purpose in that. And God's, res God's word rescues us from that. Friends, life is crazy right now for a lot of people, and perhaps you're one of those people. So how do you get through the madness? How do you get through the struggles of daily life that is just weighing you down and at times crushing you? Continue on. Keep going. Don't quit. Continue to follow those who follow Jesus. Seek their help to get you through experiences that you've never experienced. Continue on in the word of God as you do it. Because in that, the Lord will strengthen you and enable you to continue on because of the godly people in your life. 
and because his word is taking root in your heart that strengthens you. So, what are you doing in the madness? Are you continuing on? Following, learning from godly people? Are you continuing on with the scriptures? Or are you drifting away? Finding janries and jamborees that are a dime a dozen in our world. So that the madness and the craziness of your life will pull you away from Jesus. Paul says you need to continue on. Continue. Because as you do that, God will strengthen you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. And I thank you for your word, and I thank you for all that you are. Father, I pray that you'd help us within the craziness of the li our lives. I pray that you'd help us to find those people in our lives that we can learn from. The how to manage and work through the different things that life throws at us in a godly way. I pray that you enable us to be that person for somebody else. But I pray that you'd also help us to continue on in your word. For in it we are strengthened. We are encouraged. And it makes us wise for salvation. We give this to you, Lord. We ask that you would work in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.